Until 10 days ago, I wasn't expecting to uh, be standing here and speaking to you this morning. And uh, we're all aware that we're looking for to the future and to future ministry. And uh, we were expecting that there'd be somebody here uh, standing, as, as they say, with a peak. Coming just to look to see whether God was bringing us together as a church and as a minister. Yes, you know, I'm retiring next year. And there's that sense in which we've started that process of looking for my successor. And so that was part of it. But ten days ago, the person involved pulled out, felt that it wasn't right. And we respect that. And that is how God leads sometimes. And so I find myself here this morning just coming and sharing God's word in a way that I didn't expect 10 days ago. And so there's that sense in which I'm asking myself, well, God, okay, what do you want me to say? What do you want to say this morning? Not just to me, but to, to your people. And can I just simply say, reflecting back on last week, just thank you for the response that you made and the encouragements that you've made from last week when I spoke a little bit about mental health. And, you know, just the response there, and the sense that God journeys with us, even into that area of life and that area of darkness. And it's just simply opened up a lot of different conversations through the week. And I just thank you for being open and being vulnerable in that I felt God give me one word for this morning. And uh, being a typical preacher, it has to be expanded into many words. But the one word is trust. The one word is trust. Five letters. The Oxford English Dictionary defines the word trust as the firm belief in the reliability, truth or ability of someone or something. Now as Christians, we would say, well, we have a firm belief in the reliability, truth, and ability of God. That he is faithful, that he is truthful, and that he is able to accomplish that which he promises far more abundantly than whatever we can imagine. God's taken me on a little bit of a journey through this week as I prepared for this morning and to a couple of passages that have been very meaningful for me. Uh, Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving make your requests known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He took me there. He took me into Ephesians 6 and the whole question of spiritual warfare and the call to stand firm. To stand firm. In the midst of everything that is going on around us and the battle that is raging around us because let's not forget that we're in a spiritual battle. And there's in a sense that there's Satan will do everything he can to disrupt this process. 
But we need to stand firm. But what do we stand firm in? And yes, okay, Ephesians 6 speaks about the whole armour of God. But we stand firm in who we are in Christ Jesus, our Saviour and Lord. And in the calling that he has given to us. But ultimately, God has taken me back to this trust. Because in all things, in life and in death, in the present and in the future, we're called to trust. To trust him. Now, every day we demonstrate trust in a multitude of different ways, don't we? From the doctor's surgery to the dentist's surgery with our work colleagues and with our friends and our families. Every time we get on the bus, every time we get on the train, every time we call an electrician into our house, we demonstrate trust. We expect them to do and to fulfil the promises that they make. It's the one word that is so often referred to in relationship breakdowns. They abuse my trust. I'm not sure I can ever trust them again. It's a small word of five letters, but it has very big implications. I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey to start with before we look as to what that is. Because these five small letters, or this five-letter word, has dogged or has pursued me for the last 48 years. It is a word that has constantly challenged me every single day of those 48 years. It's a word that has constantly been whispered in my ear every moment of every day, in every situation of life that life has thrown at me, in health, in wealth, and in welfare. A a small voice constantly whispers, trust me, trust me. Will you trust me? Will you trust me in that hospital bed with the diagnosis of cancer? Will you trust me on the end of the telephone when somebody whom you dearly love three and a half thousand miles away is battling for their life? Will you trust me in every situation of life? It began on the 20th of July, 1970, when somebody challenged me very directly. David, it's about time you got off the fence And you committed your life to the Lord Jesus. And you put your trust in him. Stop prevaricating. Stop your questions. Because you'll never have an answer until you trust him. And that evening, I knelt down and I committed my life to the Lord Jesus Christ a young 17-year-old lad about to set out on the journey of life, having left school. This word trust was then confirmed on Sunday the 14th of November 1970 
when at my baptism my parents gave me these two verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And they've become, in a sense, my guiding verses through my life. However hard I try to run from them, they pursue me. They hold me. This word trust was further reinforced on Sunday the 6th of July, 1980, as I struggled with the biggest decision in my life. Was I going to acknowledge God's call into the Baptist ministry or not? Was I going to stay on the family farm with all that that held and the security that that gave? Or was I going to trust God? And it was in the agony of that Sunday morning in our lounge that these words rang true. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. And those five letters, trust, have dogged me ever since, at every turn. David, will you trust me? As you put all the money that you've got into that flat, not knowing how you're going to live for the next four years? David, will you trust me as you go back up into London? And into the heart of London, the ministry? And David, will you trust me as you come to the next stage of life? And not quite knowing where that will be in 12 months' time? Will you trust me? What does trust mean? What does it trust mean for each and every one of you? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for us as a church at this particular moment? As yes, we look. Somebody said to me the other day, David, for 13 years you've brought stability. I praise God for that. Stability is good. Maybe there should have been a little bit more instability in those 13 years or challenge. David, you brought stability. And I don't, I'm not looking forward to that not being there. Yeah, but things change. But what does it mean for us now? Edna will probably remember this because I shared it at Breton Fellowship a few months back. This whole question of trust. What's it mean? Let's take that word for a moment. No, I haven't got a PowerPoint. I could quite easily have done, but I didn't want to. What does it mean to you? It means, first of all, to turn everything over to God. It means to turn everything over to God. In all your ways... The writer of Proverbs says, in all your ways acknowledge him. Now what does in all your ways mean? I ask that very directly. What does it actually mean for you? It means every area of your life. Every area. Nothing is private. Private. 
Nothing is off limits when it comes to the Lord. So that means your personal relationships, that means your finance, that means your work, that means your ambitions, that means your hopes and your dreams, that means your past, your present and your future. That means everything. Everything means everything. All means all. Not just a part, not just a little bit, not just Sunday mornings, but Monday through to Friday and Saturday included. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Philippians 4 verse 6, in every situation, in every situation, what? By prayer, petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now my guess is that we're very good in terms of the the first or second, you know, I say very good, relatively. But by every situation, by prayer and petition. But then it says, with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. So what's it mean to trust? It means, first of all, to turn everything over to God. Everything. Secondly, it means to rest on his promises. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. How many times do I hear this? Oh, I wish I could be more patient. Well, it's part of trusting God. The patience. One thing I've learn over the years is that God is never too early and he's never too late. He's always on time. He's always on time. The trouble is, I want to know, if I'm honest, I want to know where I'm going to be in 12 months' time. That's a human response. But at the moment, God says, no, David, you need to wait. You need to wait. As a church, we want to know who's going to be the next minister. But God says, no, wait. Wait patiently. Trust. The psalmist says the Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all that he does. Psalm 145, verse 13. How much time do we spend meditating on God's promises? That's a serious question. We've already this morning, in my recollection, in terms of worship, I lost count of the number of promises that were referred to. John read from Scripture. And that passage of Scripture was loaded with God's promises. I don't know whether you realise that, John. (laughs) Loaded with them. 
How many times do we meditate on our anxiety, on our worries and on our fears? My guess is that if we spent half the time we spend worrying about our anxieties, actually meditating on God's promises, we would find that a lot of our anxiety would disappear. A lot of our worry would be non-existent. It's all a question of where you put your mind. It's all a question of what you do with this. Where do I put it? Am I going to focus upon my fears or am I going to focus upon the goodness of God? The God who has been faithful to me over the years and the God who will be faithful to me in the years still to come. The God who has kept me in the past will keep me in the future. So you turn everything over to God. You rest on his promises. Then thirdly, we understand that God's ways are not our ways. And lean not on your own understanding, Proverbs said, says. Now this doesn't mean to say that we need to throw away our brains or our common sense. That's all part of the process. But we have to realise that actually God's ways are not always our ways. I couldn't understand why God should tell us when we set aside money to, to keep us through college that we were to sink it into a flat and still not have enough to buy that flat. That we were to put it down into a deposit in a flat. Couldn't understand it. God, where in the next four years, how are we going to live? How are we going to pay a mortgage? Well, within ten days, God had provided. But the key had been doing something that humanly, I can remember my dad saying, you're daft. You're mad. You slip that gift through somebody's letterbox because you felt that God was telling you to give that person that amount of money. Only to find out later that they were in desperate need for that amount of money. They were of that gift. You see, God's ways are not our ways. Can we grasp this truth? That if God is sovereign, he is sovereign. And he is sovereign over everything. Every part of our lives. I wanted to use the word grasp. You know, here, to, can we grasp that truth? But, you know, grasp doesn't begin with a U, does it? So it doesn't fit in with the word trust. But, but there's a sense in, can we grasp that truth? That God is sovereign? And if he's sovereign, he's sovereign. And yet so often we act as if he isn't. He's Lord of my life. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That puts us in our place, doesn't it? Even Jesus had to learn this. Even Jesus had to learn this. 
grandmother. Do come in. Even Jesus had to learn this. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? In the agony of the cross? Not my will, but yours be done. I think in that God, Jesus was saying, I don't understand this. I don't fully grasp this, but if this is what you're calling me to, Lord, then your will, not my will. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Fourthly, seek always to live for him. In all your ways, submit to him. Have you submitted to God in all your ways? Personally, professionally, physically, emotionally, relationships, money, finances, every way. Those who know your name, trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those, those who love you? No, those who seek you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. One of the questions we need to constantly ask ourselves, whether it's in a business deal, whether it's in a personal deal, whether it's within our relationships, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's in our leisure, whatever. What does God want me to do in this situation? It's interesting that in the book of Proverbs in chapter 3 where those verses come from, the very next verses say, Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil. And then it says, makes this promise, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. There's a challenge for us, isn't it? Fear the Lord and shun evil. But then it goes on, honour the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. What a promise. Shun evil. Fear God, honour God with your wealth. And there are magnificent promises there that God is giving. Seek always to live for him. And then finally, thank God always. Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. For you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a promise. What a promise to those who trust. Now as I look around this room this morning, I recognise that many of you are having to trust God in lots of different situations and circumstances. I know that and I recognise that. Just as much as I am in many different situations. But I just wanted to open up this word to you, this word trust, what it actually means. And finally it says, and he will make your paths straight. 
He will make your path straight. Before anyone gets the wrong idea, I want to clear up what this actually means. It does not mean that God will necessarily make us healthy, wealthy and happy. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything will go swimmingly and everything will be straightforward and nothing bad will ever happen to me. That's not what he's saying there. It does not mean that he will make you comfortable, popular and slim. It does not mean that he will satisfy all our trivial desires and wishes. He will make our paths straight. It means he will give our lives direction. He will give them purpose. He will give them focus and he will give them fulfilment. He will guide us around the swamps that seek to draw us in. He will guide us around the ditches that seek to, into which we can fall. He will guide us along the precipice as we almost drop off the edge. He will bring us through the deepest, darkest valleys. And he will ultimately... When we face that final barrier of our own death, he will bring us through the valley of the shadow of death, right through, in through the front gates of the pearly gates of heaven and into the presence of God himself. Where we will be forevermore. And we will look back and we will see that through life's ups and downs, God has been faithful. God has been true. God has been just. And yes, he has made our paths straight. On that day, or that evening, on the 20th of July, 1970, I knelt down at a settee in somebody's lounge. And I committed my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't know where that would take me. At that time I was a young pig farmer. With no aspirations for anything else. Struggling with education and all of that. I didn't know where God would take me. But all I knew was that at that moment... I needed to say, in you, O Lord, do I put my trust. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. And you know, the subsequent 48 years have been an adventure that I wouldn't have missed. (laughs) I wouldn't have missed a day of it, actually. There have been some pretty tough days. Because he's been faithful. And today he calls me to trust him, just as much as he calls you to trust him. And tomorrow he'll be whispering the same, trust me. But the reality is that if we trust him, then we've got to turn everything over to him. We've got to rest on his promises. We've got to understand that God's way is not always my way or your way. We've got to seek to live for him and honour him. And we mustn't forget to thank him in everything. We're going to come to worship. John, can you come back?
I'm conscious it's 10 o'clock.